iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are proud to support the Wealth Management Edge podcast and financial advisors. With more than 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to empowering millions of people to make their money work for them. Visit www.ishares.com to learn more. S&P Dow Jones Indices is the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data, and research, and home to iconic financial market indicators such as the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average iShares and S&P Dow Jones Industries are unaffiliated entities. Welcome to the Wealth Management Edge podcast. This is Mark Bruno, the Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa. And we are very excited to continue the conversations that were coming out of the Wealth Management Edge conference, believe it or not, two months ago down in Hollywood, Florida. And we've talked quite a bit in the several months since about is it still a bull market for advice? Uh, obviously, markets have improved somewhat. Uh, doesn't necessarily make the job of an advisor or an investor any easier, but feels like we're in a different place today than we were maybe a year or so ago. Um, with that being said, we still believe, as we said many times at the Wealth Management Edge Conference, that the need for professional financial advice is greater than it ever has been before. There are some things that we've talked about on this podcast that we'll talk about here today in a little bit more detail that advisors are doing to really, truly connect with prospects and clients in a way that meets all of their needs, right? And really will accelerate what we think is a a once-in-a-lifetime growth opportunity for financial advisors. And to talk about this, I couldn't think of a better person in the industry than Reese Williams, a senior wealth advisor at Dakota Wealth Management, who is, in my opinion, one of the more innovative, one of the more thoughtful financial advisors out there. I've gotten to know the Dakota team quite well and recently really looking forward to spending time with you here today and getting to know a little bit more about your story. So thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. No, thank you, Mark. I appreciate it being here. And uh, thanks for this opportunity. This is great. So before we get into the fun stuff, and before I ask you all sorts of complicated questions about the future of advice, um, I think it would be great for our audience who might not be familiar with you or Dakota, just to get a better sense for your role, the types of clients that you work with, um, and also just a little bit more color on Dakota, please. So Reese. Sure. Uh, Dakota, we are, you know, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary uh, not too long ago, um, a few months ago, earlier this year, down in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. We are a growing RIA, registered investment advisory firm, about $3.2 billion now. And what are the two kind of focus areas for the firm is holistic, uh, high net worth, very high service, tailored investment advice. In addition to that, we focus on mergers and acquisitions as well. So we we buy other firms with similar cultures and similar dynamics to help kind of scale and, and leverage the power of our group down in Palm Beach Gardens. Excellent. And looking forward to learning more about some of the things that have driven growth and success for you and for Dakota. Uh, but I'll start with maybe my easiest and most direct question, right? At Wealth Management Edge, we opened up the conference by saying, well, we've been in a bear market or bear market territory for six to 12 months. Um, we truly believe it's a bull market for financial advice. And as I said at the outset, I personally think that the need for professional financial advice is at an all-time high. So we'll start with my first question, which is, do you agree or disagree with that statement that this is a bull market for advice and a once in a lifetime growth opportunity for advisors? So absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And I can see that you know on a daily basis with my practice. So just uh, put some context around things. I've been doing this um, in the private wealth management space for about 14 years now, you know, went to the University of Florida 
in, in Gainesville and studied finance and, and got out and got into the private banking space. And for a number of years, while we continue to have that same high net worth, million dollar and up type clientele focus, the face of wealth is changing. The, the demographics of wealth are changing, right? So we're seeing, you know, me and my office, me and the other advisor, uh, Brett Orieto, out of our Fort Lauderdale office, you know, we are focusing on younger clientele, right? Clients in our peer group. So I'm a millennial, if you want to put a label on it. And probably 10 years ago, there were all kind of negative connotations about millennials. You know, at that point in time, we were just young. So now, you know, when you look at the demographic of millennials, we're between mid-20s up to early 40s, right? So we're really in the prime of our lives. And when I said earlier, the face of wealth is changing, a lot of the people coming up in that demographics that are doing well in their careers and making money and, and have a lot of life-changing decisions to be made, they are first-time wealth generators in terms of first-generation wealth. You know, their, their parents might have been immigrants or they've come um, from different backgrounds where um, they might not have been college educated or had advanced degrees. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of my friends in that cohort have the, you know, have resources now and they're looking forward, they're looking to the future. Um, so I, I think there's a, a huge desire for advice from the groups that historically look forward, but also in addition to that, new groups um, and demographics that didn't historically have um, as much wealth as they did today. And, and just when you look at where we are in terms of our, our life track, we're growing our families, so we're looking out for our kids, but then our parents are aging as well. And so making sure we can help uh, provide the same level of expertise and advice to help our parents in addition to ourselves and our future generations. Yeah, and I'm glad you teed it up that way because obviously markets are a lot more volatile than you know, some of the demographics that you just or demographic dynamics that you just spoke to. I am curious as you look at maybe the last six to twelve months um, and some of the newer conversations that you've had with either prospects, you know, people that are coming to you for the first time, um, or some of your existing clients. Right? Um, what are some of the things that they're coming to you for now that might be differ that might differ from the types of things that they came to you for, the types of problems they asked you to solve you know, five years or so ago when Dakota was first getting started? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that that's interesting. I think back then, a lot of people were more very short-term focused. You know, back to, again, in terms of my colleagues and, and, and counterparts and peers, you know, they all kind of wanted, what's that next hot stock to, to think of or to invest in? It, it was kind of very short-term focused. It was... Um, very superficially focused as well. But five years later, you know, in 2023, a lot of those conversations are about bigger picture things like generational wealth, legacy planning, mm -hmm. right? You know, truly longer term thinking where we're focused more on asset allocation versus, you know, should I invest in Snapchat or, or some other random stock that, you know, I think is going to go to the moon, right? With the uh, advance of, uh, you know, Reddit and Instagram and all the social media where, you know, everybody can give financial advice, right? And so I think that has been the biggest change is the focus more on long-term planning, you know, setting up the right types of accounts, having an estate plan in place. And even if they don't know what to do, they're asking more questions that are showing me that they're, they're thinking more to the future. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear that we're out of the GameStop, right? Sort of uh, yep. Reddit uh, meme stock phase and that we're thinking a little bit more about 
if some of the long-term needs, I think if for me, one of the things that's most interesting is, yeah, I talk to more and more advisors who are saying to me, it's funny, my business is different today than it was five years ago, because the majority of my clients are now actually uh, not thinking about retirement, they're in retirement, right? So the Mm -hmm. emphasis has gone from getting to to getting through. Um, And that's a very different dynamic, right? Um, Accumulating wealth is very different from decumulating it. One feels much more scientific. Um, So I, I am curious, I mean, you mentioned you labeled yourself as a millennium, uh, millennial. So I have to you know, sort of use that term here. Um, how does that change maybe the types of clients that you're working with or just the dynamic? You know, do you typically work with clients who are you know, around your age or are you also working you know, more and more with clients who are in retirement on some of their sort of retirement income and decumulation needs? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I I work with a mix of both, right? Um, But my particular focus is really trying to work more with the group that's in the same uh, demographic, that younger group with me. And the funny thing about that is when I started my career, you know, I I was a junior investment analyst, like my, my focus was kind of the crunching the numbers and things like that. And I did that for a senior team, right? It was, you know, one guy was the investment guy, the other guy was a sales guy. And, and they became my mentors. And so when I started working with them, every client was an older client from my perspective in my early 20s. You know, there wasn't really much I could talk to them about. You know, there wasn't mean, much life experiences that I had. So all I knew was the numbers. That being said, I got a lot of experience with understanding that piece of it very early on in my career. And so now that expertise and and, and training that I had early in my career is really benefiting me now because, you know, when I'm working with people in my age demographics, I can see what to expect sooner than they did, um, than many other um, advisors may or may not have had experience with. So it's really been a good, it kind of set me up in a, in a good position to be able to advise my clients now, be like, hey, you know, if we set up these accounts and make sure that we take care of um, funding things earlier rather than later, Right. That really makes a difference when you're, you know, 75 years old, you're not able to work and maybe a a health event comes up. You know, this is why we want to have this disability insurance or this this type of risk mitigation in place. If something were to happen, you know, these are the potential consequences. And I've seen it. Right. And I can talk to that experience as well. So given your focus on working with people who are in or around your age group, um, Curious, if you were talking to the 21, 22-year-old version of yourself, right, and giving some guidance, some some pointers on how to start to build you know, a successful practice or wealth business in today's climate, what two or three pieces of advice would you lead with? Oh, man, that's a good one. I've thought about that recently. Um, yeah. I would tell my, my younger self, listen, clients don't care about the numbers. Right. <laughs> they don't care about the actual... Uh, investments. They don't care, care about, you know, modern portfolio theory. They don't care about any of that. And so really, you really need to be able to simply communicate what steps need to be taken to achieve the picture of their financial future, right? Of their ideal financial picture um, and what their goals are. And being able to create that conversation and and turn the numbers into that narrative that you can communicate effectively to them. And then also to truly understand where they're coming from, um, their history, behavioral science is huge and, and mm. finance is huge to me in terms of how people think around money. So the sooner you can understand what makes a person tick 
what's truly important to them versus what they say is important to them, and then be able to convey what I'm going to do for you will help us achieve that. And this is how we do it. I think that really would have set me up for uh, a lo little bit quicker success um, had I known <laughs> well, that sooner instead uh, and, of trying to force the uh, force uh, the the science to, uh, down people's throat. Yeah, it's uh, and that's a great pointer and a really you know a really important you know note to hit on for a minute here because I think there have been a lot of advisors that lead with you know their investment acumen, right? They you know, aim to impress first, right? Perhaps before they aim to understand. And you know, it's easier, it's more scalable right? <laughs> to, to lead with your IQ than it is to try and go one-to-one -one and go inside the minds of every single one of your clients to understand what they really need or want versus what they say, as you put it, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I am curious to maybe just dig in a little bit there. How do you do that, right? In a way that is efficient, right? It feels like it could be incredibly time-consuming to really you know, get to know every one of your clients at that level. I mean, it's one thing to know the the name of all your clients' dogs if it's in a CRM, right? Um, it's another thing to really understand what gets them out of bed in the morning and what keeps them awake at night. So how have you approached that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the, and and by no means am I, have I perfected this right sure. across the board, right? So there's different, you know, levels of depth that sometimes clients will let you get to. Um, no matter how hard you try. But I, I think, you know, to your point, everybody is unique. And so having the right setup and where you can spend your time on the areas that drive the most value and that you're best at, right? So my assistants and, and my administrators in our office, like they do a great job of helping us to take care of the back end stuff, the the numbers and all the the planning that frees me up to have those conversations with the client. And you know, beyond, you know, when we take our CRM notes, you know, a lot of times in there we're we're talking about and and documenting how the client felt or, or how they communicated to us and, and what we took away from it. So when we review those notes, it's just not just a, a list of to-do items, but it helps give you an understanding of of the the mindset of the client and and some of the things that were important to them. So you know, for me, I try to go through that a checklist kind of, you know, sometimes I write it out, but I just kind of reference a checklist of things that I want to get to know about a person, you know, what makes them tick, what's important to them, um, and truly, you know, become a friend. Like, what would you try to want to know about somebody if you became their friend? And if you have that mindset to it, like, yo, I'm just going to get to know this person because it, it, at the end of the day, not every client is for you. And so you're going to work best with the one that everybody's the most compatible in terms of what each person is expecting and what the other person can deliver. So, you know, the more I get to know you, the better I can tailor whatever my advice might be until you're, that's going to be well received by you. Yeah. And it's an interesting way to look at it and describe it. And I feel like there's a, there are a larger number of advisors who are doing a better job at telling the story of what a financial advisor can really do, right? Uh, really, truly articulating you know, the value prop behind solid financial advice and financial planning. Um, you know, I think you know, maybe it was Joe Duran who said it the first time that just stuck with me forever, right? This idea of we want our clients to live richly, right? And not just die rich. Um, but it was a simple statement, right? That I think changes the way people can view, you know, the role of a financial advisor. And I am curious, I mean, in the very beginning, you mentioned something about like being very, very short term, not long ago and becoming much longer term. When you have younger clients, obviously their long-term really truly is long-term, right? They may be yep. planning for 
30, 40 years out. Um, so how are you getting people who might be in their early 30s, if this is something you're actually doing, to really envision the importance of you know, what their life or their lifestyle you know, might be 30, 40 years from now? Um, it seems so abstract to me as a 45-year-old, right? Um, but curious if there's any advice or guidance that you would give our listeners on how you can help people who are in their you know, early mid thirties really, truly appreciate the importance of planning for their seventies and eighties and potentially even nineties. Yeah, no, absolutely. Shock factor, I think works really well for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, when you share bold stats, you know, one of the, the target areas that I like to work with in terms of where I have the best relationships are doctors. So for example, you know, young doctors coming out of school, you know, they've, had a delay in terms of how much they've been able to save compared to just an average person coming out with a bachelor's and you start working, right? Just um, when we think about the time value of money and how the compounding factor works when you have more time. That that's a, Is that a niche for you specifically? Um, yeah. Just to, to clarify. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So working with those young doctors, you know, just being a bit focus area of mine, there are a lot of things that we need to do, right? We have to play catch up from an investing standpoint. Um, a lot of them are entrepreneurs as well. So there's a lot of things we can do to kind of mitigate taxes, minimize taxes, and maximize what they are saving for the future and, and utilizing some really good strategies around that that they may not be aware of. And when I show them the stark numbers and just have that real conversation, hey, you know, this is what you say you're trying to do. You know, this is how much you're looking to be making. We really need to play catch up here because this can be the difference of millions of dollars down mm -hmm. the road. Right. Um, and, and sometimes the numbers do the job of telling the story themselves when they are that drastic and also just bringing it back to the emotional side, you know, especially if they have young family and kids and maybe one of the spouses is the primary breadwinner for the household. You know, what does that look like if something were to happen to you and you had you didn't you know, you're making several million dollars a year at this point and you have no disability insurance? or you don't have the right kind of life insurance to take care of your family should something happen to you, right? Estate planning becomes a huge uh, component to that. And, and risk management to protect that wealth that you're generating becomes a huge component. So I think when I'm able to kind of touch that piece of it, again, they're usually, if they're younger clients or, or kind of mid-career, they're gonna be in my age group. So I have young kids, you know, I got three young kids. so. You know, my mindset as a parent has changed, you know, before, you know, prior to having kids to now. So I think having those conversations, I'm able to connect to things that I know are big sticking points at this time in their lives. So I think that goes a long way. Yeah. And I, and I asked a question just around your focus on you know, doctors and whether or not that's an area that you're specifically targeting. And obviously it is. But it's important because we're also seeing the advisors who are really segmenting, right? The advisors who are really focused and can go narrow and deep or the ones that are growing the fastest right now. Um, you know, they can really truly understand, you know, what goes on inside the minds of a client before they become a client, right? In many instances. Um, so I'm glad you brought up that point. I also, I know we've been able to sort of go inside the mind of the next gen investor for a little bit, but I would love to get your thoughts as, you know, we kind of look ahead to the future. Um, so you know, with the assumption that this is a bull market for advice and that, the wealth management industry will grow over the next you know, five to 10 years. And I realize that that's a very broad timeline, but I'm curious, what do you think some of the things are that might drive more people um, in your age group to seek out advice over the next five to 10 years? 
the world is getting more complicated in terms of there's just more information coming from more avenues. The amount of clips I've received from tips, TikTok in terms of the advice from my friends. Is that good or bad? I have to ask. It's, it's honestly, it's, um, it's, it's twofold, right? You definitely could look at it both ways in terms objectively. I, I think it's been mostly bad from the standpoint yeah. that there are a, a significant amount of very legitimate sounding people um, on these platforms um, with advice that um, could do people harm, right? Because they don't have the context for the information pr being provided or a solution is provided as kind of a one and only option and that a lot of people will run with just from lack of knowing other options. And, and you learn this too, like you always learn things through the comments. So just read the comments of those that are uh, um, to some of those posts. And you kind of see that a lot of people do kind of buy into what um, somebody is saying without really much knowledge around that. So I think the flip side, the positive is that I can properly educate. Like I'm, I'm glad my friends came to me with those videos and say, hey, you mm -hmm. know, does this make sense? You know, so again, back to that that golden era, that that bull market for advice, like they're still asking questions. And so those are the people that I really want to help, the ones that are going to see something and say, hey, you know, Reese, you know, I think he's an expert in this space. I know what he's done over the years. I know he works with um, a very successful group of clientele. Let me go to him for my my personal advice when I want to do something. And then that opens up the door to additional conversations I may not have had with those people. And then, you know, we can you know, get going from there and maybe start creating a plan and and something that actually helps them give them peace of mind that, hey, like when I wake up at, at 55 or 60, whatever that time frame might be, I'm going to be ready. You know, the other thing, you know, I want to add to that that I noticed is that a lot of my clients, they don't want to work to the typical re retirement age, right? So a lot of my peers, like we are talking about, you know, how do I generate extra streams of cash flow in the future? Mm -hmm. How do I know that I have enough invested so that I can kind of hang it up if I choose? late 50s or early 60s, right? Even though our, our our projected retirement age is 67 and a half, right? None of my friends want that. You know, we mm -hmm. I think we want a, that quality of life over a quantity focus. That's an interesting dynamic too, which we could probably do a whole podcast on, but this yeah. idea of retirement being you know, a solid finish line that you just cross one day. I know so many people right now who are you know, my age or around it who are, obviously planning to stop working full-time in the traditional sense, right? Maybe a little earlier than my parents, but have no interest in you know, stopping any of their income streams, right? Whether it's, you know, Airbnbs or, you know, sort of consulting jobs or side hustles that they have, there are more options, yep. than ever, right? To earn. Uh, so that does change the planning dynamic for you. It doesn't make your job <laughs> any easier, right? When they don't have a traditional income stream. Um, but it might, right? Because it might just give you obviously more options and more scenarios to run. I think you know, the, just to go back to your comment on you know, TikTok and social in general, I, I think short term, yeah, there could be, I agree, you know, a lot of sort of downside risk there potentially. Long term, we're 100% on the same page. I feel like it's marketing for wealth management and it doesn't matter to me how people get to you, right, to ask you the right questions so long as they get to you, right? And obviously, you don't want to see people make mistakes and go to you for help, right, to get them out of a bad situation. Um, but I do feel like whether it's TikTok or Instagram or even chat GBT, right? I just did this the other day, just sort of putting in some scenarios asking you know, if I have X amount by the age of you know, 50, right? Um, in investable assets, 
how much more do I need to save to retire at 62? And you actually get a pretty decent response, right? Okay. Um, but at the end of it, it says you really should seek out the help of a financial professional, right? So more roads are leading in your direction, which is just another reason I, I truly believe this is a bull market for advice. So I mean, with that, maybe we could just sort of end on some of your comments, some of your thoughts. I mean, how do you set yourself up? Some of this is marketing, right? But you you need to be able to be found, right? Which is not easy right now. Um, there's a lot of noise and a lot of ways that people could get to you and thousands of other people like you, right? Any recommendations, any tips or any sort of specific scenarios where you've seen either you've had success or other advisors have had success in doing something to make them stand out as you know, more credible, you know, professional financial advisor who can truly help, right? Versus somebody who's recommending a hot stock or, you know, a rental property. Yeah, I I think the focus has become getting the message out by means of, you know, utilizing these platforms, right? Such as doing this podcast, right? I'm, I'm mm -hmm. glad you guys have been inviting me on. Um, this gives me an opportunity to kind of um, share that information. And and for me too, um, as I've gotten older and, and through my career, as I'm working with younger cohorts, um, I find that it's more important for me to kind of just spread my message, you know, through education, you know, with the focus being education and not necessarily for first focus on kind of, you know, bringing them in as a, as a client, but I really do want to educate my cohorts and my peers in terms of just being smart from a financial literacy standpoint. And so just different speaking engagements, you know, has been successful for me, you know, talking to different groups and back to really, truly understanding what's important to somebody you know, I'm more about having more intimate groups, you know, smaller groups, you know, a small get together where everybody can kind of feel comfortable to ask those questions that they've always been afraid to ask versus in, in a bigger setting. So I, it does take a little bit more um, labor, but I think that is the labor well spent versus sitting and taking 20 minutes to craft a, a particular email. Chat GPT can help you, you know, with maybe the body of the email because you, you're the expert, you know what it, you want to say. Um, and it can kind of help with some of that process. And then you customize it to what you need. Um, and then reach out to those groups that you think would value your advice. And so I think that's a, another avenue of, of focus is really trying to hone in on who your ideal target client is or target avatar that you're trying to help and who you work best with. Um, and that's something that took me you know, some time to learn too. Um, really, it does it doesn't make sense to say yes to everybody after a while. You really do have to to pick and choose who you actually can add value for. Yeah, 100%. And I think you're doing a great job of telling your story of standing out, but doing it in you know, a subtle way, um, you know, one that sort of lends itself or you know, to, to you know, someone who's looking at potentially hiring a financial advisor, looking at what you do, looking at how you approach you know, the need and demand for advice. Very credible, very thoughtful. So we appreciate you stopping by the Wealth Management Edge podcast here. Before we let you run, Reese, is there anything that you would leave our audience with here today if that we didn't talk about, right? If they're looking to really, truly better understand the needs, right, for the next generation of investors? Yeah, estate planning. Like really, really understanding your, your financial dynamics. That's been a big area that I've been trying to champion for a lot of my friends and, and peers with young kids and things, you know, make sure you get your, your, your estate plan in order. You don't need to be a millionaire to have one. It really does have a big impact 
in terms of making sure you have your, your house in order just in case something, the what has happened. And we all know that, you know, there those events are unexpected, um, but it just kind of helps make things a little bit easier in, in what is typically a tough situation. Mm. Like, I, it, it's 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 the least exciting part of the the job, honestly. That's okay. Um, Boring I've had is to good. drag I've had to drag people across the line to to get them to get their stuff in order, but uh, it's such a relief when you finally do um, to know you just kind of have the that important piece in place. Yeah, I one thousand percent agree with you on the estate plan side of things. I would broaden it a bit just to say to our audience, it might be, you know, do the things that only you can do for your clients, right? Uh, uh, your client can buy a stock or an ETF or a mutual fund, you know, on their own, um, more or less, right? But they cannot and will not put that estate plan together without a financial professional. Yeah, right? like you, you, like I, you really are a financial coach. I, I feel like a financial coach, especially for those younger clients, right, that don't have these skills. I'm helping them stay accountable, build those muscles. You know, they they really, it's a, a really a practice in, you know, what drives people and the behavioral side of things. Like I said, you know, it's important, but it's overwhelming at the same time. So we really have to be that coach that sits there and make sure that they do the. I think that's sometimes the most important value. If I get you to do something that you know is in your best interest that you wouldn't have done otherwise, um, there's value in that, right? That's real money. That's 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 an extra vacation. That's some there's some income for life because you have you know even though you got hurt and you can't work again, you know those are have some real consequences to a family. So I think that's a big part of what I do. And that's the real alpha that advisors deliver, right? I know we talk about alpha in the investment context all the time, but there is an advice alpha, right? How do I create, whether it's income, right? Or you know, growth in your portfolio that only an advisor or financial professional can create uh, by design, right? Not by default. Um, so I think it's a great place. And re thank you so much for spending some time. I appreciate that. We were finally able to spend you know, an extended time together having a, a really important, really meaningful and really valuable conversation. So thank you for stopping by the Wealth Management Edge podcast, Reese. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you again, Mark. Yeah, and thank you to everybody for tuning in here again. This is the third episode of the Wealth Management Edge podcast, where we'll continue to bring experts from the industry like Reese uh, to you to give you a better sense for not only why there is so much opportunity right now for the wealth management community, but more specifically where, um, and also, of course, how to capitalize on some of that opportunity and what is a once-in-a-lifetime bull market for financial advice. So on behalf of the wealth management team at Informa, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Reese, for joining us, and we're looking forward to having you all back on the next episode of the Wealth Management Edge podcast. Take care, everyone. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are proud to support the Wealth Management Edge podcast and financial advisors. With more than 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to empowering millions of people to make their money work for them. Visit www.ishares.com to learn more. S&P Dow Jones Indices is the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data, and research, and home to iconic financial market indicators such as the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average iShares and S&P Dow Jones Industries are unaffiliated entities.